0: look at this, uh, as I mentioned in the beginning, um, well, one of the questions that people uh, ask me or I hear, usually it's in a laughing sense, you know, when I say I'm a pastor, they say, well, what do you do all day? Like, what does a pastor do all day? You know, you just work on Sundays, right? Um, And I know for some of you, as I hear you talk about your work, I think about the same thing. What do you do all day? Um, But I wonder if we're ever honest to think, Do we ever think about the same thing with God? God, what what do you do all day? Are you more like this, you know, uh, disconnected being that, well, you're you're kind of up there, out there, but you're not really personally involved in this world and my life. And so this section of scripture that we're going to look at um, uh, reminds us that he is. And what is he doing? Picking up on this term that God is always working. And the question is, are we looking for his work? Are we looking for what he is doing? And so let me read here. And again, this is just one example. This was my challenge And studying, you know, through this. I had a list of a lot of things. And, you know, Sarah is the sounding board, and she always says, people can't deal with ten things. Give us one. So I'm giving the one, okay? Actually, I gave you two. I gave you one at the beginning. But here's what, here's what he says, uh, starting in verse 18. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of, of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God, uh, ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made sin, he made him to be sin. Who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And there's a lot in this section, but the point is what is, what is, what is one of the things that God's work is? Reconciliation. Reconciliation. There are broken relationships, and it begins vertically. We are born with a broken relationship. We sin. We go our own way. Way And God hasn't sat back in heaven waiting for us to get to him. He is the reconciler. He's the reconciler. Christ is the tangible way that we see that. The cross is the place that he makes reconciliation uh, possible. And so that's what he's saying here. That God is the one who provides reconciliation. He was pursuing you before you were ever even looking uh, towards him and looking at him. And that's what God is doing in this world today as we sit here. He is pursuing people. He He is helping them see his grace and his mercy. And so that's exactly what God is about that's what he does. He says in verse 19, Christ is the one who he waited right in the midst of our sin and our rebellion and this broken world. He, he, you know, Christ didn't sit back and say, well, I'm not going there. That's ooh, too dirty for me. That's not what he said. I'm going. I'm going right where they are. Your worst day, he's there your best day, he's just as much there. providing for us reconciliation, that our relationship with God needs to be uh, mended. We need to be made whole. We need restoration. The picture of this word reconciliation is a broken bone, right? It gets broken and it needs to be reset. And when it's reset, and it grows back together, it becomes stronger. It's the the tangible example to us that God wants every human being to be reconciled to him. He's provided the payment. It is possible. It's just there. Are we willing to respond to him? Are we willing to take his way? Are we willing to receive it? And so as a church, that's the message of the church, right? Part of the church is that we've we've put our faith in Christ. We know that we're reconciled. But I don't know about you, do you ever get tired of hearing stories of how God did it in that person's life and that person's life and that person? Do you get tired of hearing that? I don't. It's always amazing to me. Amazing to me. So we're gonna hear uh, a story this morning of one of you and uh, uh, I'm gonna ask Joni Goodwill to come on up here and um, let me just be honest with you, she doesn't want to be up here, (laughs) okay? (laughs) She does not want to come up here. Um, And I did not make her. This has been probably a six-month process, right? It has been a six-month process at first um, because it's a scary thing. It's uncomfortable to stand up um, and to be able to share what your life was like before you came to know Christ and how Christ has redeemed you and what that process has looked like. And so since she's willing to be uncomfortable, uh, I'm going to ask all of you to be uncomfortable. And uh, I'm going to ask you, um, you know, we haven't prayed this way, um, but I'm going to ask all of you to pray for Joni, but also pray ultimately to hear from the Lord. And I want you to do that, everybody praying at the same time, and I want you to pray out loud at the same time. Okay? Now, you might be like, Steve, that's uncomfortable. Yes! Are you uncomfortable? Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> so we can all share in the discomfort, and I guarantee you won't be near as uncomfortable as, uh, as, as she is. And, uh, okay, so why don't we just take 20 seconds, and together, uh, let's pray for to hear from God, and that God would speak through Joni's life. Out loud. God, we just Thank you. So why don't you just share, you know, I don't, <laughs> where, I don't know where you want to, we've gone back and forth this week. Um, and so uh, you know, tell us, start uh, with your story, where you, wherever you want to, you know, start on. Okay.
1: Um, well, uh, I mean, I wrote down a couple of things of, you know, I, I have spoke like this a few different times at um, AA meetings. And, um, and I was always super nervous <laughs> doing it there also. But you know, that focus was more on the recovery part. And I wanted to be able to focus more on what God has done for me. But um, like my relationship with God, when I was growing up, I was brought up in a Christian home. Um, My dad is the preacher up at the jail. He's been preaching up there for like 30 years. Um, And when we were growing up, I was always made to go to church and yes, I was made to go to church. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, we always prayed before dinner. We always, um, you know, I and I think I always thought of that lifestyle as almost boring because my parents would go to bed early. They would sit and watch preachers on on the, the TV. And, and, you know, and I started hanging out with, I, I, and I was in youth group and all that, but I always, I started hanging out with a different crowd of people at school. And it was more like the party crowd. And um, and I think I would see how my parents' friends were, or, or my friends' parents were. And um, some of them were very different. Um, they would drink all night, have big parties at their house, um, and let the kids Do the same thing, you know, or didn't even care what we were doing, and we could steal whatever we wanted, and um, and nobody would even notice. And I think that's what it started. I just thought that that was a more fun life, and I was very selfish at that time, and I just wanted to have fun and just do whatever I wanted, I guess, and. My parents grounded me a lot from ages 13 to 18. <laughs> <laughs> I was grounded a lot, but then I would sneak out and get grounded again. And <laughs> um, but you know, I don't remember like chaos or fighting or anything really negative. Really going growing up, like there, it was a very peaceful. La- I, like my dad, even though I would get in trouble all the time, he wouldn't yell or scream at me. He would just tell me what God thinks, or what, you know, making, you know, just making me think about things, and, um, but anyways, whenever I started getting older, um, I started bartending at 18, and um, that lifestyle is, I, I think that's where I first started to meet a different group of friends with a little bit more, um, more party experience, I guess. And I mean, at a very young age, at 18, I was going to parties, I mean, going to parties and doing heavier drugs. And um, and it just got me, and to be honest, I think I craved that lifestyle of that criminal activity. There was this one guy in particular, he was much older than me, and um, I used to hang out with him for, I think almost 20 years he was um, a president of an outlaw biker gang, and um, I I think I looked up to that. I looked up to that control and that power that he had, and um, and I just I just liked that atmosphere. And um, but anyways, I when I was 21, I was arrested um, drug related, drug deliveries, and um, and I was arrested and I was in jail for 14 months for the first time. And then I had my daughter and got married and, um, and I messed up again 10 years later. I got back into the, the same drug and within two months of doing it again, I was back in jail again. And this time the judge had enough of me and said he should have sent me to prison the first time and he gave me three to 15 year sentence. And um, mm. I guess at that time, uh, my it was much harder at that time because now I had a husband and a kid, and my daughter was five, and I did not want to cry up here. Mm.
0: <laughs> all right. And um,
1: and anyways. Uh, so at that time it was much harder on me, and but the good thing is I got to go to a prison boot camp, and it's up by Quahana boot or Quahana, or I don't know, up past Clearfield there, and um, it was a huge eye opener for me. And um, what we did there, I mean, I, I really don't think I had too much like self discipline or anything like that force on me before, and I cried every single day for the first two months. It was one of the hardest things that I ever went through. Um, they cut off all of our hair, like boy style. Um, and you know, I, th- I remember looking in the mirror there and saying, I'm like 35 years old, and this is where I am, you know? and um, And that's where, like we weren't allowed to talk to others, we weren't, we had to work out and exercise all day and we were allowed to go into, go into church and Bible studies. So I think that's where I, um, that's where I first started seeking out God and knowing and asking that he was there. And um, so, uh, so through that experience, I think it helped me with my own discipline and to follow God. And, you know, ever since then, um, you know, what? and, you know, I lost everything, or I thought I lost everything at that time. You know, my husband, my house, my, I thought I lost my daughter at that time, you know, but actually, I mean, I have so much more now because, um, I mean, actually, in that prison boot camp, I met my husband. <laughs> and I know it was not allowed. <laughs> but. <laughs> But we weren't allowed to. We didn't speak to each other at all there. But I would smile when the guards weren't looking. (laughs) (laughs) And for some weird reason, he was attracted to me there, even though I feel like I looked absolutely horrible there. (laughs) But um, but uh, while you know, when we both got out, we got out a few months difference from each other, and we were both on parole. I'm still on parole for quite a few more years, and. we were able, you know, we didn't think it was possible that that we were going to be able to see each other. And um, for some reason, our pro officers let us and let us get married right away. And um, and it hasn't been easy, but two two addicts living together can be very hard at first. But with God helping us and with Him, with us following Him first and having a relationship with Him first, it has tremendously helped our relationship and our family. You know, he brought his, um, whenever they moved here, his daughter was 12. And um, so we got, I mean, my daughter now had a sister, and, um, you know, we were able to blend the families and start teaching them about Christ also. And um, I'm trying to think of what else. Um, you know, just now, life is, I think God has just changed my my thinking tremendously. You know, I, it's so weird. Like, I, I really, I, after that boot camp, I stopped talking to all of my old friends. I stopped bartending. I stopped hanging out in those atmospheres. And it's amazing the difference of the friends that I have now and the people that I surround myself with. And um, you know, I think, and every once in a while, you know, it's crazy that the now I have friends from the past that now know that I'm sober and um, will reach out to me now for help. So I don't know what else She did great,
0: did she? Yep, Thank that's you. great. Thank you. Thank you, Joni just how God continues to use us he uses everything in our life um, when we surrender it to him when we allow him to take charge and, um, and so that's what Joni's sharing here and uh, that's what God wants from all of us regardless of what choices we've made um, and so uh, the focus uh, needs to be on Christ and he is waiting for us to surrender to him. He's waiting for us to allow him to take the reins. Um, and so, you know, whether that's you've never trusted Christ as your savior, um, or at times, as believers, we can veer off. And God will never let us go. He will never stop pursuing us. And so, uh, that's exactly what, coming back to these words here that, uh, that Paul is, uh, is saying that not, just, not only does Christ reconcile us, but now he gives us a work to do. And what is the work to do? To help other people understand who God is, what he's done, what that looks like. And so um, that's what we are about that's what we need to be, that we would be willing to allow God to speak uh, through our lives, that we would be willing to be uncomfortable for him. Um, and some of you might be why, you're like, why did Joni leave? She has to go to work. So <laughs> that's why she's not, she had to, she was itching, and uh, um, they changed something at her work, and uh, she needed to get there. Um, uh, you know, but part of this is the conversation opens the door, and so... Um, and I would encourage our young people here, go talk to Joni. Go talk to Tim. Ask the truthful questions. Maybe you don't want to talk to your mom and dad because they're mom and dad, and mom and dad just always say what mom and dad are supposed to say. You're part of the household of God, of people that have been redeemed, people that have made bad choices, people that wish, wish I could do it over again. If I could, I would, but you can't. Yet at the same time, God is a redemptive God. He is a God of reconciliation. He can take our worst garbage and he can turn it around for righteousness. All because of the cross. It's only because of the cross. It's only because of what Christ did. That he died, he was buried, and he rose again. He's given us the message of, of reconciliation. And so every one of you in here, you rub shoulders in your families, you go to work, you have neighbors, you have people that you're around. And sometimes the lie we believe is, well, I need to get into the preacher so the preacher can tell them about Jesus. And that is not true. That might be true at some times, but you are the best person to share the truth of the gospel because you have the relationship with them. Well, Steve, that's hard. You don't know my family. I I get it. I know. God always, and that's what we're going to see through this study, God is always going to ask us to do something beyond yourself, something that is going to make you scared to death. Why? Because when we're scared to death, it causes us to say, God, I would never do this without you. But because you're asking me to do it, I'll do it. I'll obey. I'm willing. Even if mumbo-jumbo comes out of thy mouth. God, however you could use that, I'll be willing to do it. That's what God wants us to be about. And that's what we see. That he is about reconciliation. And it's a long process. It takes time. And so some of you, maybe with your own children or maybe with a coworker, you're ready to throw in the towel. Keep going. It's one of the things you heard in Joni's story, you know. Several decades is what it took. Mom and dad loving the Lord, being involved. Don't give up. Don't give up. You're going to feel like it. And that's part of the surrender as well that God would allow those things to bring us to him in a much more real and a much more true way. It's interesting when uh, the worship team was uh, singing this last song that we're going to sing, <laughs> the first few lines I'm sitting there and I'm, reading, I'm listening to the lines and I'm like, that's the last verse of, second, of this passage. So I'm going to invite the worship team to come up and we're going to uh, close out on this uh, last uh, song here. Um, Let me read uh, these last words. He says, For our sake he made him, talking about Jesus Christ, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Christ we might become the righteousness of God. That's the simple good news. It's the only way to be reconciled to God because of what Christ has done. We're going to receive our offering as we uh, sing this last song as well. And uh, why don't we go ahead and uh, stand up. God, we thank